nice deep breath in and release with a sigh. Today is the autumnal equinox. It's a day of balance when day and night are in balance. And for a lot of spiritual calendars, this is a really important, significant time. And it's significant because there is a change of perspective and a change of power. And so I want to share a little bit about those things with you this morning before we go into power places and what you would do if you were brave. Because I want you to know where you're standing on this day. In if we if we looked at the vernal or at the autumnal equinox, we would see that there is as much day as there is night. That that's where we are, and that actually happens today at 4:44 in the afternoon, which is a very interesting number because four is the number of balance. You, like you think of four legs under the table, so we have three times four, which is what, twelve. And if anybody any numerologist in here. What does that reduce to? Three, which is the Holy Trinity, which shows up in various different religions in various different forms. But I always think of it as mother, father, child, that it is the energy, the full energy of creation. And, and that's my personal belief as to why that that threefold number shows up over and over with different faces and different genders and different collaborations in different religions. So we have balance blessed by creation today which is very significant very significant especially at this service where we're really working on creation that we are truly able to create in a place of balance today so what a lot of faiths believe about this and most of these are faiths that are based in indigenous study is that on the day of the equinox Things change perspective in that we have been in the season of growth and activity and outward focus, and our view has been out. All from last spring all the way till now, we've been looking at what we're going to grow, planting things, doing things, making stuff happen, moving forward as the sun has gotten brighter and brighter. Because just like any other living thing on the planet, we are energized by the sun. It affects our bodies, and we're able to do more, and we can go outside. The weather is getting warmer and warmer, and we're so we get more sun. We have more energy. The days are longer. We have more time to work. And now things are shifting, aren't they? Now we're moving into the darker time of the year. We're moving away from the sun. And most of us, even though that started happening back at the, at the solstice in June, most of us don't really notice it until this time of year but something happens in fall that makes us very aware the leaves start changing the the air starts to get a little cooler and we really become very physically aware that things are different and it becomes darker longer so when we wake up in the morning it's not quite as easy to jump out of bed because it's a little bit darker than it was a few months ago so this is a time that we can consciously Begin to turn our focus inward. Begin to look at what is what's going on in here? How am I feeling now that I worked so hard all this time? What is important to me? What did I accomplish? What happened during that growth season that I now have to share with community? And in the agrarian times, 
when, and even I, I say that as though it was miles back. Most of us can count how many generations it's been that we're off the farm. Most of us, not very many. So in, if you're growing food, if that's where your focus is, if you're growing or raising cattle or, or anything like that, as you move into this time of year, you know what you have to sell and you know what you have to give away. You can see it. Your crops are full. Your stores are full. You can share with your neighbors whatever you have. But we don't grow our food anymore. Not very much. Some of us have a bunch of zucchini to give away. But <laughs> I still have a garden full. If anybody needs any, let me know. I have lots of, lots of zucchini. But for the most part, we have to look differently at what we've grown, what we're harvesting, and what we have to share. What has changed? So this has been a challenging year for a lot of people. We've had fires and floods. We've had all of the personal parts of life that happen. Lots of uh, changes in jobs and, and, and uh, relationships within our own community. Um, we've lost people who were very dear to us, who've made their transition this year. We've had a lot I was th- laying in bed last night thinking about all the things that have just happened in this building in the last several months. So what have we gained from all of that that is of value? Perhaps we've gained a little tenacity. Maybe we've gained a little strength, a little courage. Maybe we've begun to realize that that kind of stuff is taxing <laughs> and we've gained a realization that we need rest. There's something that's come from this time that has shifted and changed us. Maybe we've become a little bit more serious about things that are important. Decided we would value friends differently. Decided that we're more committed to what is important to us. Now is the time to look at that. And to look at what our growing wisdom means in the face of community, because this is the time that the community begins to gather back together strongly. We've been out, we've done our vacationing, all of our summer activities are beginning to wind up, and we want to be inside more, because it's, coo- it's going to get cooler and cooler. So we come together more, and when we come together, we have an opportunity to share our gifts. So I invite you into just the beginning considerations of that. What have you brought back from your experiences over the last few months that you feel are beneficial here or in your home community, in your home family, uh, beneficial in the greater world? And how will you put those things out? How will you use them? So that's one big piece. The other piece that I think is really interesting specifically for our community is that we have a, a very strong focus on oneness that we will walk as the living, breathing expression of the divine. We will be God on the planet. We will be the, the holy hands in, in work. We will be the holy eyes seeing. We will be that. And as we struggle with how we're going to do that, we also have to change our, our perspective on always having God there to rescue us because we're busy being God. This is the time of year that that focus shifts that in order for us to go inward and not have our focus outward, we have to have some sense that we're held, some sense that someone is protecting us, that there is someone watching out, some sense that we are held in divine arms and that we're cared for. And 
sometimes when we when we get so far into the oneness, we forget that there aren't any rules on that. That sometimes God is here and sometimes God is here and both of those can be true. Right now is an invitation as we go from light to dark and we start looking inside and reflecting on ourselves, really reflecting on who we are, what we like and what we don't like, what has been good for us and what hasn't been good, what happened during the growing season that brought us joy and what brought us pain. It's comforting to know that we're held by something bigger than us, that there is a presence, a divine presence, a divine heart in which we can rest while we do this looking. And there's a prayer for that, isn't there? There's a welcoming of spirit that we have an opportunity to do, that we have an opportunity to share in, that is a very personal welcoming that is expressed in whatever your language for God is. That however you name or feel that which is source energy, you have an opportunity to invite that source energy to now hold you in the dark time so that you can explore inside and know that your outer world is cared for so that you can really put your focus inside and know that there is balance and comfort and ease. And you can ask at this time of year if, please, we could have things calm a little less drama and trauma, (laughs) a little more ease and comfort so that we can do the inner journey. Because in knowing ourselves when it's time to grow again, which it will be in the spring, the more that we know ourselves, the more we have come to know ourselves, the more appropriately we can choose what we will grow in the coming season. So this is the time of year of reflection to look back. And then as the time gets darker and we rest more, we begin the time of rejuvenation and our bodies begin to be restful. They just want to sleep because they need it. And all during that time we're held. All during that time we have the opportunity to invite spirit to really embrace us to let us feel that sense that we are not alone. So I want you to recognize these things now as we start, because you start from balance and more and more and more between now and the, and the fullness of winter will go inward. And it's not a journey you have to take as a rush. It's a slow and steady journey of observation. It's not a journey that requires you to be judgmental of yourself. It's a journey that invites you to get to know yourself. To ask yourself, how am I doing in the world? Am I on the track I want to be on? Is this the track that I'm being guided to? Is this the right place for me? If I'm not having to grow everything out there, I can look at what's growing inside. And awareness is the key to that. So that's where you are on the cycle of the year. And that's why this equinox is so important. It's why we mark it, why we pay attention to it. It's not just because day and night are balanced, but because that means something to us, that we are standing at a point of change. So I invite you to explore those things as we move toward the the deep of winter. 
Today we're going to finish up, even though next week is still September, we're going to move into our next topic next week. Today we're going to finish up our study of a sense of place. And I've been thinking about this a lot over the month, It's because it's kind of a strange way to say it, isn't it? Our topic is a sense of place. We've talked about place from a lot of different perspectives. Today I want to talk about place and power, about what it is to have a sense of power. So when we stand at this point of balance with knowledge about where we're going, with wisdom and intention moving forward, we stand in a place of power, don't we? We stand in a place of awareness that allows us to do something new as we move forward. And that is exactly what a power place is. It's a place that allows you to stand with a sense of intention and change. So you can go to your power place when something is up for you and you want to do something about it. And we we have a very romanticized picture of our power place. Our power place is a great tree. I had a power place for a long time that was this amazing tree. I'm sure some of you have heard me talk about it because I could crawl up in the branches, which is a big feat for me. And so I could crawl up in the branches and rest there. And it felt very powerful just because I could get up there, if nothing else. And so some of us like to have that place that we go to that's outside. But for some of us, our power place is our kitchen. For some of us, our power place is a place that we create what nourishes us. For some of us, our power place is a chair with an end table and our favorite book. Because when we go there, we feel the most ourselves. For some of us, our power place is here, the place that we come for inspiration and for community, for intimacy and ultimacy, to create intimacy with one another and to find ultimate answers to the bigger questions of life. So power place is a place that you go with intention to make something happen. And your power ploy- place can happen to you. I have had it happen that I'm walking along on a forest road and I have to stop and sit right here, right now, because everything in my body says, stop. <laughs> this is where I have to be. I've had that kind of experience, but more often, our power place is a place we choose. It's a place we're looking for. And so as you begin to travel inward through the darkness of the coming year, now is the time to consider where you feel powerful. Power isn't necessarily about strength and might and moving big rocks. Could be if that's what's important to you. But more than likely, it's about stillness and comfort and ease and being able to breathe fully into your form, feeling completely rich and connected to yourself and to the divine so that you can bring from inside and from outside all the wisdom that you need for whatever it is you intend to do next. So we create them. Cecil created a beautiful power place down the hill. Some of you may have been there. I know a lot of you have not. If you drive through the back parking lot, there's a little walkway that's lined by by branches. And you can walk down the hill, and there's a little round meditation place 
that's been created down there that you are welcome to go and use at your leisure. You can create that in your maybe your garden. I have a swing in my backyard. That's my power place. That's where I go. I don't have to do anything there. Just sit and the whole world comes to me. My favorite power place, though, is on my front porch. And I have a, a reclining lawn chair on the front porch. And I sit in my lawn chair and I contemplate everything that comes in front of me and what it means. And some of my greatest insights happen right there. So it's very simple to find where your power place is because chances are you're already there. You're already using it. But like everything else in your life, the more intention you put into it, the more focused you are, the more you'll receive from it. The more you'll see what's really waiting for you in that place. So our women this week, many of them, are at a power place of their own. And for a lot of them, it's become a power place. Uh, They are up at Christ Haven Retreat, uh, which is out towards Florissant. A beautiful place. And they've been there since Friday afternoon. And they've been working on uh, thought. And the thought is, and the feeling is, If I were brave, if I were brave, what would I do? And there are 48 of them up there if nobody else was added to the list. So approximately 50. Now, our community sees on a a general weekend somewhere between 140 and 160, 140 and 160 people between the two services. So that's a very large part of our community that's doing a very focused and concentrated piece of work. And it's a very powerful piece of work. And one I invite you to share in. I invite you to question yourself as to what you would do if you were brave. What would change if you were brave? So I want you to think about bravery in the word. I went and looked at the etymology of it and it comes uh, originally from Latin but travels through the Italian language and is a derivative of the word bravado or bravo. So it's interesting to think about that, that when we say bravo, what we mean is I see what you did and it's spectacular. That was, I saw you. I just saw what you did. Bravo, I see it. So when we speak about being brave, we're talking about our willingness to be seen our willingness to truly be who we are, to really bring forth what is ours to bring into the world. And it's it's a bit daring, and it's also a little bit defiant. And both of those words are, or both of those meanings are associated with the word. That bravery sometimes means to be defiant. I'm brave enough to do this differently than everybody else. Because this is what feels right for me. I'm brave enough to dare myself to cross this line I've never crossed. So that I can have a full and rich experience. What I want to share with you is that one of the bravest things you can ever do is take the journey inward. One of the bravest places, one of the bravest, most noble journeys of your entire life will be the journey to your own heart. 
the journey that asks, what do I really believe? Not what am I supposed to believe? What do I really believe? How do I really feel about that? Where am I giving up myself to be what I think everybody else needs me to be? Where am I choosing not to stand in my own skin? Because it's easier if I don't. This is a very valuable and important journey. And it takes bravery. And our women have been up there doing that work. And when they come back, they move open a very wide threshold for the rest of the community to follow. Because they are already on the journey. They have already pushed the gates open. And we will follow because it's such a large amount of energy moving in that direction. And because the timing is perfect. And because we're here talking about it and daring ourselves to cross the line. Daring ourselves to be just brave enough to find out who we really are. To check in on ourselves and see how we really feel. See if we like where we're going. So there are three things that stop us from being brave. One is fear in the body. And fear in the body is usually wisdom. Usually if your body is afraid, something has taught your body to be afraid. So you might be afraid to run a red light. Because the last time you ran a red light, you got hit. And... When the light turns red, every cell in your body goes, ah, stop. Don't go through that light. That's smart. It's a good kind of wisdom to have. Very often, fear in the body is related to an an actual experience. And sometimes it's valuable and sometimes it's not. If you're a small child, when that cellular memory gets placed, Maybe you fell off the swing and you're, you were very small and it was a long way to the ground. But now it's not so scary because your legs are longer and you can, you can handle the swing a little bit better. And you might still be a little bit afraid when you get on, but you know what it is. Fear is kind of that friend that says, mm, be careful. And sometimes we turn to our friend fear and say, yeah, thank you. Thank you for reminding me. I got this. No worries. It's a friend. So there's fear in the body, and then there's fear in the mind. And fear in the mind is usually something that we've decided is scary. Rather than having an experience where we actually learned in that moment that we were in danger, fear in the mind tells us, oh, don't do that. That could happen. It's where our shoulda, woulda, couldas lived. I don't know if I should do that or not. Maybe. I don't know. What if? What if something bad happens to me if I do that? Those fears are fears of the mind. And fears of the mind largely need discipline. They largely need discipline. And there's a process for that. So the process is first to be in gratitude. Thank you for the fear. Pause. Am I really in danger? Is there really something in danger going, am I really in danger or do I just think I might be? So rather than stopping ourselves we to so that we don't do whatever it is, we stop ourselves and ask, is it really scary 
if I learn that I don't like the direction my life is moving in? Could be. Could be a little scary. Could be a little dangerous. Because you might change your job. You might change your relationship. You might change where you live. You might make change. Is that dangerous to you or can you do it in a safe way? Usually all of those things can be handled in a safe way, can't they? So that you can find your right place, your power place, the most important power place you have, which is you. The third kind of fear that we have that stops us is soul level fear. And that is the fear we can't describe. We can't explain it. We don't know why we have it. I am scared to death of. What is that? Snakes. I'm scared to death of standing on the edge of a cliff and looking down. I don't like high places. I'm scared to death of. What is it for you? That one thing that is the most frightening thing you can imagine. I had a friend who was scared of snakes. And she was studying totem animals. And they did this wonderful meditation. And the totem animal she got was... <laughs> she she came out of the meditation so upset. <laughs> she had um, decided that she was going to cross the line, that she was going to get herself through the meditation and through the experience and figure out why this particular thing was a challenge for her. And she bought a snake, a little bitty corn snake. And she had two boys who handled it for her for a long time <laughs> until she got little by little, slowly by surely, oh, able to stroke its back very gently. And little over time, finally got to where she could pick it up and put it right back down. And by about two years into it, she could hold it. And just it was just about that long, just long enough to wrap around her hand. But it was huge for her. It changed everything in her life to get over that fear that was just a lethal fear to her, to recognize that what she thought was the scariest thing she could ever do, she was completely able to do. What is your soul-level fear? Most of us have a soul-level fear of rejection. If I do this, I'll be rejected. People won't understand. If I step out and I write my book and I express my true opinion... People won't understand. If I speak for what I truly believe, if I stand in my own shoes and I speak for what I truly believe, even though these people who I love feel differently, they won't understand and I'll be rejected. Most of us have that fear and we don't find out that it's an unfounded fear until we do it. We don't find out that most people who stand in their own truth and do so with grace are given respect. Their opinions are valued. Some of the people I disagree with the most in the world are the people I respect and value the most in my life because they make me question what I believe. They have real conversation with me. They're not yes men. They, they make me question who I am and because of that I become something more. I step into a new possibility and i can question whether i'm on the right track or not some of the people we gain the most from are the people who challenge us to think more deeply to feel more richly to stand more powerfully in who we are and not to lose our flexibility in that 
to remain capable of change. So what would you do if you were brave? Would you calm your body and trust the message? Would you discipline your mind so that you could look through new eyes? Would you stand fully and completely in your fear and know that fear is a companion and that where you go from fear is to your most powerful place. When you stand with fear and move with it, you are taken to your own courage, to your own bravery, to the most powerful place that you have, which is true and complete knowledge of who you are and the ability to move into action as that. These are your challenges for the winter time to explore these things for yourself. And I invite you to journal if you like to journal, to be intentful about doing that. And if you're not a journaler, and some of us aren't, to learn how the little gadget works on your phone so that you can record a thought, because almost every cell phone has it, and record your thoughts through the winter and listen to them periodically. Notice your own evolution. When you're writing or you're speaking and recording, you begin to see the thoughts that come up over and over. And after a while, it feels as though you're being guided. Someone is dropping crumbs on the path in front of you so that you can get to a particular place. After you see enough signs, you begin to know where you're going. And when you invite spirit in to hold you through the dark time, you invite a guiding force. And that is just as important as being that guiding force out in the world. Without it, we will quickly run out of steam. If we do not take the time to do the inner journey, to know who we are and what we stand for and what we will bravely pursue in the world, if we spend all of our time outward-focused, working and creating, we will run our batteries to zero. So use this time so that you can rest, so that you can reflect, and so that when the spring comes, you have something new and wise to bring forth in the world. I have some quotes for you this morning. This is from George S. Patton. If we take the generally accepted definition of bravery as a quality which knows no fear, I have never seen a brave man. All men are frightened. The more intelligent they are, the more they are frightened. J.K. Rowling said, It takes a great deal of bravery to stand up to our enemies, but just as much to stand up to our friends. Wendell Phillips said, physical bravery is an animal instinct. Moral bravery is much higher and takes truer courage. Amber Heard said, it requires bravery to do something no one else around you is doing. Jim Morrison said, expose yourself to your deepest fear. After that, fear has no power and the fear of freedom shrinks and vanishes. And you are simply free. Oprah Winfrey said, The biggest adventure you can ever take 
is to live the life of your dreams. And finally, Irma Bombeck reminds us, it takes a lot of courage to show your dreams to someone else. 